this is Robbie Motter of Blog Talk Radio, Diva Strategies for Success. Blog and Talk Radio. I am so excited. We have a fabulous uh, guest today, Dr. Roberta Shaler, Shaler and um, we have the topic of five warning signs that your relationship needs first aid. Before we, I bring her on, I want to tell you a little bit about her. She has an incredible background. Um, she's called the Relationship Doctor, and she is a catalyst for communication and collaboration. She makes it so much easier to talk about difficult things and manage, manage difficult relationships. She offers the relationship help you need to create the relationship you want the skills, insights, and alignment to engage lovingly or disengage peacefully. Founder of Soul Peace International and the Optimized Institute and Center, she focuses on counseling, mediation, anger management, classes, and relationship seminars to empower individuals, couples, families, leaders, and teams with solutions and skills that get to the heart of the communication conflict and conscious collaboration. She is an outstanding and popular keynote speaker. I've actually heard her speak and actually booked her myself many times. She, uh, Dr. Shaler has shared her lighthearted approach and value-packed contact with audiences, teams, and readers for more than 25 years. She helps her audience to develop the effective communication skills that need to have powerful conversations that reduce conflict, build trust, and streamline negotiation. She's author of over two dozen books, and I think I have most of all of them, <laughs> an audio focus, including her most recent books, Wrestling Rhinos, Conquering Conflict in the Wilds of Work and Soul Solitude, Taking Time for Our Souls to Catch Up, co-authored with G. Charles Anderson, M.A. Dr. Shaler teaches people to express themselves in ways that are totally kind and totally honest at the same time. Her clients say that she is a gentle, effective, and enthusiastic teacher who is down-to-earth while knowledgeable, practical, and energetic. She has worked with many leading companies such as Trans-Canada Pipeline, State Farm Insurance, University of Victoria, Costco Wholesale. Her books have been translated and published in Mexico, Latin America, China, Taiwan, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Indonesia, and India, and her numerous articles are published in more than 25,000 web pages. She currently is a part-time facility at the prestigious executive MBA project management program at the University of Texas at Dallas, where she teaches negotiation. She was trained as a psychologist and professional mediator and shares her insights to her blog at www.forrelationshiphelp.com and through her online and in-person classes at www.optimizedcenter.com. Welcome, Dr. Shaler. Oh, thank you so much. That sounds so much so much going on in that bio that I feel like I should take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> but that's who you are. You're all of those things. That's true. That's true. Well, thank you for having me, Robbie. It's always fun to talk with you. I love the topic, five warning signs that your relationship needs first aid. You know, so many people don't even sometimes realize that they're getting into that. Why are you called the relationship help doctor? doctor? And what, need you, what led you to focus on your work on relationship help for a couple? And I think you 
you also do it for individuals too, don't you? Oh, yes, I do. But a lot of the focus now is uh, helping couples and the individuals that make up couples understand what it really means to be in a committed relationship. And I've done work in so many ways, as the bio says, but right now I'm really enjoying and focusing on helping people understand what it really means to make a commitment. And that's something that's not really well understood. We talk about it. We have great things called weddings, but we're not really clear on the insights and strategies and the skills that we need in order to have a lasting commitment. So I call myself the relationship help doctor because that's what I spend the most of my time doing. Right. Well, that's good because you help, you know, knowing who you are and the gentle person you are, I know that you are actually so effective in letting them go within themselves and really get to see who they are and, you know, what is really going on. And with your help, they can actually, you know, move forward. Hopefully, that's the point. <laughs> that's what we're endeavoring to achieve. And, you know, Robbie, there, there's a problem in our world, and the divorce rate is really high. And the reason that I believe that contributes to that most strongly is, as I alluded to before, we just don't have the skills nor the insights. We don't really stop and look to say, how can I create the relationship that I most want we run on automatic pilot and we so often create the relationships that we've seen around us or that our friends or the media tell us that we should have. And we very seldom see our friends or the media telling us that, oh, you made a commitment, now you have to learn the most you can during this commitment about yourselves and how to be in a relationship. I always tell people, don't go to your friends when your relationship is in trouble because your friends only know how to do leave. They don't know how to do stay. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, you're bringing up the five essential keys to unlocking emotional empathy today. Let's talk about that. What is one of the first keys? Well, these, these are important things, and they are the five warning signs that your relationship needs first aid is if these things show up and they're missing, then you know that you are missing a very key ingredient in having a healthy, thriving, long-term relationship. We're so different. I, you know, I think, Ravi, about a young couple who came to see me. They'd been married for a month, and they had fallen in love, done all the romance things, and they'd gotten engaged, and they started planning a wedding, and you know what that takes. And then they had the fabulous honeymoon, and then they came after one month, and they said, oh, this is way too hard. (laughs) It's way too hard. He's not who I thought he was. She's not who I hoped she'd be. And here we are staring at each other, and we don't know what to do. And the thing was that they they knew how to get married. They didn't know how to be married. Oh, well, did they, did they go together for a long time, or was this like Yes, they did. They did. But, you know, when you're going together and you're living separately and you have a separate life, you tend to give to each other things that you want to please each other. When the actuality of daily living and going to work and keeping house and sharing money and sharing planning and everything happened, they were completely at a loss because now there's two rather than two ones. And so this is a huge shift for people. 
So there's always things that you can learn. You know, people say you have to sink or swim, but most people prefer to float, and that doesn't work. <laughs> so let's go ahead. One of the things I notice is a lot of people are not getting married. You know, they're they're choosing not to come, you know, commit to marriage, but to commit to living together. And and then if they something goes wrong and they don't like it, it's easier to move out. You know. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, you said the magic word. Marriage is a commitment, but living together can be a commitment or an arrangement. And it depends what's happening in their hearts and minds and if they have, in fact, thought it through. I now have an eight-week program that I hope every single person on the planet takes before they move in or before they get married. Because oh, if you haven't, you haven't thought about those things and you haven't worked them through with your partner, you're not ready. And that. There are people who also take that program, like this young couple, who don't know how to be married, and they're new to it, and they don't want to make any further errors. So very important. So what are some of the other keys that are part okay. of There are five of them. The first one that's most important is there has to be trust, and that is not a throwaway word. That means that I can believe that you will do what you say, that you will demonstrate by your behavior what you say you value. And that trust is the gift of believability, and it comes from a a really deep understanding of the most core principle that I could ever teach another human being. Robbie, if you came to my new offices, you'd see on the training room wall in beautiful gold leaf, it says this, the truth is what you do. If I could teach people that one thing and they could internalize it and really get it, our world would be different. Oh, I love it. The truth. The truth is what you do. And if people love that, they can send me their email and and, uh, a dollar for the postage, and I'll send them a pen that says that so that they can remember what it says. The truth is what you do. So trust comes from demonstrating, not talking about, demonstrating that you are who I think you are and that you keep your promises to me and to yourself and that I can always count on you for that. And it comes through experience because we trust people whose words match their behaviors. That's the way it is. So that's the first one. Big deal. So if they, what they should do if they want that, they should email you at rs at, at soapiece.com. Is that right? Sure, that'll work. And remember, soapiece is spelled S-O-W-P-E-A-C-E. Okay. What's the second? Well, Following on trust very closely on the heels is an ability to talk well together. And I mean that at a deep level, that you can sit and you are safe to have deep conversations where you can examine things together, where you can uh, play with ideas, where you can ask questions and know that you are going to be safe and be able to get to a level of emotional intimacy. How you talk together and how you address and resolve issues through talking is absolutely key to having a good relationship. People have to hang in together. They have to not be in competition. That's a big deal. Do you think that happens a lot? I think it happens a great deal. I think people truly are fighting for their lives, for that sense of please tell me I'm right or I'm going to show you I'm right or I'm going to show you you're wrong. (laughs) 
there's no there's no sense of collaboration in that, is there? No. Agreed. No, there's only a sense of competition. And when that is the way you converse, you in are. In other words, when they're doing something like that, they're really like in a in a business relationship or a friendship. You're part of the team, and a marriage to me, you're part of the team as well. That's right, but a team means that you need to be collaborating. And that's the most difficult thing. Charles and I are just writing a new book. It's called Collaborees, Mastering the Art and Science of Collaboration. And one section of it is for people in relationship personally and the other section for the work world because we don't understand how to collaborate. We we have an idea of compromise, but a real idea of collaboration is not something that we practice very often. So number two is being able to talk together really well and to hang into the conversation, even if it gets a little messy. And do not escalate hostility and do not be competitive. There's a big difference between those ways of being. And if you have... Uh, a warning sign your relationship needs first aid is that you're only talking about the weather, the children, or what happened in the world today. If that's the level of conversation you're generally having with your partner, you're not having much of a relationship. Wow. So what's the next uh, key? That's kind of fun, isn't it? So (laughs) this is the flip side of being able to talk well together. And the third warning sign that your relationship needs first aid if no is if nobody's listening you know many times somebody says something we don't like and we hear the beginning of their sentence and then the rest of our mental energy is is in building our argument or our rebuttal to the beginning of what they said because we didn't listen to the end of their conversation we were so busy getting ready to score a point yeah, we have like, to, I win this one, you win that one, and we're keeping track instead of seeing, listening to see what the other person is saying that maybe we could change to make it better. That's right, and actually being interested. I believe that uh, my friend Jordan Paul and his then-wife Margaret wrote a book, oh, a long time ago, in the 80s, um, and they said that there are only two basic ways of, of um, the way we communicate. One is with the intent to protect ourselves, and the other is the intent to learn about the other person. And if we are having a relationship where I have to be protecting myself all of the time, I'm not in something that's going to last. I have to be able to be safe enough to be in a place of being curious about learning about my partner, and that means I have to learn to listen really well without my mental apparatus refuting what they're saying or trying to score a point. So the ability to listen is huge. And if nobody's listening, your relationship definitely needs first aid. We need to learn that it's not our job to fix, advise, rescue, or set straight other human beings, even if we're married to them. Yeah, (laughs) I think you hear that a lot where women and men say it, too. They never, they don't listen to me, or they assume they, I know everything they want, but they never talk to me. You know. That's right. And here's a great example. I'll tell you a little story. I had this woman who had been a long-term client of mine. She was going out the door, and I said, "Have a great week." She said, "Oh, I will. It's my birthday." 
I said, great, what do you want to do on your birthday? She said, well, if my husband remembers, I hope he'll bring me flowers and take me out to dinner and buy me a present that has nothing to do with the house. I said, oh, that sounds great. Did you tell him? And she said that killer phrase that just should be eradicated from every woman and man's vocabulary. She said, if he really loved me, he'd know what I want. I said, no, you've got that exactly backwards. If you loved him, you'd tell him what you want so he could show up and shine. Oh, and wow, that's powerful. I love that. And she said, hmm. I said, so have a great week and have a great birthday. So she came in the next week, and I asked how the birthday went, and she said, well, he remembered, and he brought me flowers, and he gave me a present. I opened it. It was an electric fry pan, and he asked me what's for dinner. I said, you didn't tell him, did you? She said the killer phrase again. I said, well, then you got the birthday you deserved. Yeah. You know, so... And that happens so much every day. I mean, I can remember back in my marriage, um, my husband would go out New Year on Christmas Eve and buy what's left, and all I ever wanted him to do was spend a little time and find me that card he spent some time to buy, but he never did. But but I never communicated that to him either, so I was at fault as well. Yeah, and and that's the thing, you know. Uh, there, I was raised in a generation where you didn't say what you wanted. That was selfish. We don't live there anymore. We have to come to a great sense of ourself, to know ourselves very well, to be able to answer the question, who am I? What do I, what do I value? What's my vision for my life? What are my beliefs and what's my purpose right now? And then I need wow. to be able to communicate that. But if I'm in a relationship and I'm not telling the truth about who I am and what I want, I'm not in much of a relationship. That's true. So what's yeah. another warning sign? <laughs> another warning sign is if you are unable to be vulnerable. If you're not safe telling your partner little things about yourself that that would create emotional intimacy... And I'll use this example. Sometimes men and women have a wonderful time together. They feel so close. They feel so aligned. They're just sort of under each other's skins, and it feels so great. And at that moment, you feel safe, and you tell somebody, your partner, a secret about your life. And your partner says, oh, I'm so glad you shared that with me. I feel so close. And then the next time you're having a fight, and your partner takes that out of his back pocket and throws it at you. You're not safe being vulnerable. And if you're not safe being vulnerable with your partner, you're in the wrong place. You really have to know that it takes courage to listen and it takes a whole lot of courage to be vulnerable. Our ego, that deep sense of ourselves, it's not good or bad, but it's necessary for getting on in the world. And and when we're we're able to be vulnerable, we're talking about the vulnerability of the ego, not about that deep down survival need. So we need we need to understand that I need one person who's in my corner that I can tell the truth to. You know, they used to say forty years ago, you talk to your women friends or your men friends about what's going on and then you endure your relationship. I think that's absolutely the opposite. Your partner should be your best friend, and you should be the safest with your partner. Of anywhere in the world, you should be safest with your partner. So a warning sign is if you cannot 
be vulnerable for fear of having it brought up at the wrong time or used as a weakness or thrown at you in anger, then you're unsafe and therefore the relationship definitely needs first aid, if not surgery. Wow. So was that the fourth one? or That's the fifth, the fourth one. And the fifth one, well, this is a big word. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But we hear it bandied about, and the word is forgiveness. And we often hear it spoken about, and it sounds so altruistic and so quote-unquote right or maybe even righteous, but we have to know how to do it. And it in, forgiveness involves two big cycles, and the cycles are anger and shame. Now, I do a lot of work with anger management classes here at the office and also online, and people come through the door justifying their anger by blaming another person But anger is a do-it-yourself project. (laughs) You choose to get angry. You know, I I like this this story as an example, Robbie, that someone cuts you off on the highway. They come across three lanes to go to an exit. And there you are yelling and screaming and turning red. And uh, you've really got your knickers in a twist. You're yelling probably language your mother wouldn't like you to use. Well, the fact of the matter is that you've just given all your power to that driver because that driver is perfectly happy. They got what they want, but here you are with your knickers in a twist. And what I tell the people in my classes is when you do that, that's like taking poison and hoping the other person dies. Oh, wow. Because you're getting yourself all upset, and the other person is perfectly fine. And right. the same Actually, over the years, I've kind of learned to do that. I've I've learned to say, you know, whatever happens, I can't change it. So I just have to accept it and move on, you know, and That's just right. put the person and hope that, you know, that they learn that that isn't really the way of life. That's right, and that's wise. That's really wise. But for many people, they like to be righteously angry. They like to be justified in their anger, and they like someone else to blame When Charles and I wrote the book Soul Solitude, we identified four things that we want to give up completely, and we call them the SBJJs. And what that is, is we want to give up shame, blame, judgment, and justification. Wow. Was it easy when you were were writing the book and your work with people, is that an area easy for people to do? No, it isn't, because we've been taught to do it. Our parents did it. Lots of people do it every day. We're seeing it in the media, on television, all kinds of places. Do you think politicians don't blame each other for things? <laughs> right, I know. So, oh, you're right, that's true. Well, now that we know these five things are essential that can make or break a relationship, what do we do if we realize they are not present? What is the next step? Okay, are there well, more then... steps? <laughs> no. I mean, the reason that I say that my work involves engaging lovingly or disengaging peacefully is because we always have to make a decision in our relationship. Do we want to move toward each other or do we want to move away from each other? Now, when you look at these five things, there are only five of 21 things I've identified, Robbie. There are 21 different Uh, warning signs or you take the flip side of it 21 ingredients that we want to have in a healthy thriving relationship 
And we need to consider all 21. And so I invite people to do that, and I've made it really easy for them to do that. I have a program that starts on Monday. You can sign up for it now, and it comes to you in the email. It's 21 videos, one a day, about five minutes. Each each topic is about five minutes. And it comes with in the email with a, a conversation starter, so you and your partner could talk about this topic. Yeah. Twenty-one days, and and so you get the twenty-one videos. But you know what's really fun? I want people to have this so much, Rob, because it makes such a difference that it's only twenty-one dollars. Wow, that's so reasonable. Yeah, but the 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 answer to your question is that if you if you've heard some things today that you go, wow, I I don't think my relationship is is in terrible trouble, but it definitely needs some first aid then you want to look at these things because don't let any more time go by without looking at these things. And that's what you have to do next. Now that you've had the insight, you need to take a step to move toward a healthier relationship. Now that might be working with me. It might be taking the relationship dialogues. The 21-day program is called the Relationship Dialogues um, Starting the Conversation. Then there, you can move on to to the next, the eight-week program called the Relationship Dialogues. Or you can work with me. I work with people all over the continent using Skype video. But do take some steps. Do get some skills. Do spend some time with yourself thinking about who am I in this relationship and who am I generally. And is this relationship a good reflection of me? Is it serving me well and am I serving it well? So very, very uh, important to recognize that your next steps involve change. And that scares people, but change can be very, very positive. And I encourage people to start taking those baby steps to change because you're cheating yourself if you're not having the very best relationship you can have. You don't need to settle for something that just is okay. You can actually make it better. So at, when they when they do the 21 days, do most of them feel they want to advance to work even uh, more into getting more into the, some of your advanced training? Because I saw you had some fabulous other training on your website. So why don't you give people that website? Oh sure, go to fourrelationshiphelp.com. That's the that's the place that my blog is, the relationship help blog. And you'll see in the right-hand column, you just click on the relationship dialogues. It'll take you to the programs there. And if you want to look at the classes and you want to go to the classes directly without bypassing the blog site and all, just go to OptimizeCenter.com. It will tell you everything we have available. Plus, it allows you to book right online a session with me if that's what you want to do or you want to join a class. All those things are automated. Give them that a website again, the optimized one. OptimizeCenter.com. O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. Don't you also have a way on your website that people can uh, uh, register and then, because you do, you do great like you have a newsletter and some other things too as well. Yeah, we have all all kinds of things and you'll find them either at for relationship help or at uh optimized center. That's a great place to start. I have 37 websites. So 
there are a lot of different things available, but they'll allow you to spread out when you go to either one of those. If and you have which, which one ahead. has all your books listed? Uh, the Poor Relationship Help has has the store on it. You know what I love? I love the way you write your books. You make it so simple. You know, sometimes you read books and there's so much, and you get through reading and you say, I don't know what they were saying, but your books are so clear and concise. I remember from the very first time I met you and I got the first book, I thought, wow, this, she does it right. No wonder you're in so many different languages. Cause you, um, you know, you, you... Well, thank you, Robbie. I'm glad you find it that way. I got a little note the other day from a gentleman, a doctor, and he was just telling me that my book, Optimize Your Day, he said, I just got it. He's in another country. And he said, I'm going through a really, really difficult time, and I'm holding on to this book for dear life. Thank you so much. And, you know, it was so great to interact with him, and, and we're talking back and forth here now. But it, it, if anything touches, if anything helps, I'm thrilled. You know, I've I've been on this planet quite a while, and <laughs> the things that I've learned, I want to share so people can learn them a little earlier than I did. <laughs> We have 60 seconds, and I want to first ask Kathy if she has any question for you. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation today. It was very helpful. I am not currently in a relationship. I am single. So the tips you gave were very helpful and eye-opening. I look forward to getting one of your books. Great. Well, thank you. I'm glad that you found some value. That's what I'm all about. You know, you started our conversation, Robbie, by asking me why I'm called the Relationship Help Doctor. I hope that I shed a little light on why that name is appropriate through our conversation. And again, that class is starting Monday, right? Right. So sign up now because it's all by autoresponder. You'll get them automatically, and they'll start coming to you on Monday. And uh, give them that website again. We have about eight seconds. For Relationship Help. Dot com. And that's F-O-R. F-O-R. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, and then if they want to get that um, that sign you said, then they email you at, what was the email address R- you want? To- R-S at SoPeace.com. And also on those sites, you also have your speaking topic. So if somebody wanted to book you as a speaker, they could do that as well. Yeah, the best thing for that is to go to roberta.com. And please, everybody know I spell my name R-H-O-B-E-R-T-A.com. Well, this has been, you know, I always love talking with you. And, I, you know, we just get so busy in our world that, you know, we've talked about connecting and getting together and having lunch or something, and we need to still do that. But anyone I want to book you next year. Good, I'm all for it. Anything I can do to help, Robbie? You're great, and I wish you much continued success, and I know that you are helping so many people. And I'm just honored that you could be our guest today, and as our guest was Dr. Roberta Shaler. She's known as the Relationship Health Doctor, and her website is www.forrelationshiphealth.com, where you can find out about her uh, Relationship Dialogue program. Anyway, my dear, thank you so much, and I know that people are going to get some great help from what you've said, and and hopefully they'll go online and 
sign up for that class. And like you say, don't wait till it's too late. Indeed. Thank you so much, Robbie. You do great work as usual. <laughs> All right, my darling. Thank you. All right. Take care. Goodbye, Catherine. Goodbye.